0: everybody, and welcome to episode 354 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Monica Sholin. Monica lives in Carabert, which is in Saskatchewan in Canada, and she is a nurse practitioner.
1: Welcome, Monica. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm so excited to be here. And you are a new
0: nurse practitioner. When did you first start practicing?
1: I've only been practicing for about a month and a half, so that I'm is awesome. very much new into this career. So Lots of I love it.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that?
1: Yeah. So, like most people, I have the short answer and the long answer. Right. So, short answer, I came to it in January of 2019. So, right. I've been doing it um, about four and a half years now. But long answer is, I've always struggled with my my weight. I felt like I was the one, like that tried all the programs, all the diets, and nothing ever stuck. So it started out in childhood. Um, I was Mm -hmm. an obese child and, you know, bullied for that body image issues, confidence issues right from, you know, elementary school up.
0: So you remember it all the way from elementary school is when it started. You didn't feel confident in your body starting in elementary school.
1: Yeah, because I was always, you know, the fat girl and the large girl. So, yeah, you don't realize how much that affects you until you, you know, grow up and start looking back. Right. But I remember back in junior high was when I first started really being concerned. And, you know, we'd go to the big city and go to Walmart and I would go to the pharmacy section and see those over-the-counter products, you know, the hydroxycut and the raspberry ketones. And, you know, I'd buy those secretly so my parents wouldn't see and try and take those because I wanted something for fat loss. And another memory that really sticks out in my head is I was super self-conscious one time. I'd received some hand-me-downs from a cousin and this shirt I really wanted to wear, but it was really small on me, you know, showed all the roles. And so I remember actually duct taping my abdomen, my whole torso to try and like, quote unquote, suck myself into this shirt.
0: Oh my goodness. So you like made your own like shapewear out of duct tape. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's, no, so, that's like sad and, but we get it. Oh, goodness.
1: Yeah. So that just kind of sums up my, my junior high experience in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> so kind of fast forward to high school, my mom had done Weight Watchers. So grade 10 ish, I started, you know, doing Weight Watchers just at home with my mom. Like I never went to the meetings or anything, but of course that didn't work either long term. Um, you know, I'd always tried something short term see a little bit of a result, but then it wasn't something I could maintain. But then I realized that graduation was quickly approaching and, you know, everybody wants to look so good in their prom dress. Right. So come grade 12, I started running every morning and I would have, you know, you measured out special cake for breakfast. And then lunch was two rice cakes, an apple and a diet cranberry juice every single day. Oh. So obviously looking back, it was a severe calorie restriction, uh, but it worked. And yeah. I didn't weigh myself at the time, but it I, I lost a lot of weight and I looked good and I was getting the attention that i had been craving for so long.
0: You know, I, I think back to those days, those, those days early on, you know, when we were young and your young bodies, those high school bodies, the very first, you know, putting in quote, diet that I ever did was after my freshman year of high school and it was calorie counting and my body responded so quickly. And, (laughs) you know, we're, we got those fresh metabolisms that have not dieted before and we're young and we're healthy and so our bodies respond really well. And then we are like, oh, that was easy, right? Even though it wasn't easy, but then later as we get older and older, it doesn't quite work the same, does it?
1: No, and that's exactly (laughs) what I learned when I went off to university, but it was not something I could maintain when all of a sudden, because I'm from a small town where we didn't have fast food or, you know, pizza joints that had student deals, all of a sudden I had access to all of that. So university was hard on my body, (laughs) Um, quickly gained all that weight back and then some. And that's when I started doing, you know, the beach body, the personal training, the tried the calorie restriction again. And in my last year of university I did the popular isogenics. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but
0: <laughs> You can say it. I did isogenics as well. That that was one that yeah. I did.
1: And you know, I
0: had a friend who was selling it, which isn't it how these things always go. She was selling it. And she's like, I know you're always really, you know, this is years and years before intermittent fasting. I know you're interested in your weight and you've tried a lot of things. This is amazing nutrition for your body. And here's what you do. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay. (laughs) Boy, was that expensive, wasn't it?
1: So expensive, especially on a student budget. Like, obviously I couldn't afford it, but I made it worse because that was going to be the answer. Right? And yeah. when you're that desperate, you do what you got to do. So I did lose weight on it.
0: I remember there was one lady. There was a lady who, like, they, they touted at the time because she had just had really good success. Her name was Jill something or other. And they're like, you were supposed to take your photo with the newspaper showing the headline and the date. So here's your start date. Did you do that? Yes, I did. <laughs> And then you're like, you had a shake for breakfast and a shake for lunch and a sensible dinner. But all those shakes did make me so hungry. I was like starving right after I had the shake. If only I had just skipped all the shakes and just had a sensible dinner.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And the, the fasting days that they had with those chocolate wafers and that oh, drink, Lord. it was awful. We'll they, they called I them the, the cleanse. Fasting.
0: Yep. It was the cleanse day and it was this liquid, disgusting cleanse, something or other that you were supposed to drink. And you had these snacks, they called them, that were like wafers that Mm look like Scooby snacks or something. I don't know. It was a miserable, miserable day.
1: It was. Yeah. And obviously not something that I could (laughs) sustain. But I did lose some weight on it. And at that point, the highest I'd seen on a scale was 211. Okay. I had refused to weigh after that point and I had gotten under two hundred. So I got to one ninety eight and I was so excited. I went out, bought new clothes, said I'm never gonna get over two hundred again. But then I quit doing estogenics and I graduated university and I started working um straight night shifts as an RN and I worked high risk labor and delivery, which is a very stressful environment. Oh yeah. And the straight nights and the stress I balloon. I developed acid reflux. Yeah. And how tall are you? I'm five eight. Okay. Well so definitely yep. overweight.
0: <laughs> Yo, definitely. It just it makes a lot of difference. Five eight versus five two is a big big shift, but five yeah. eight, that's still that's still overweight and you weren't feeling good. So you started to develop reflux, you said.
1: Mm-hmm. And the the straight night shift was also really hard on the mental health. So between the mental health of working you know straight nights plus gaining weight at such a crazy rate kind of took a toll on me and I eventually after two years had to quit that job and I went back to my rural route and moved out to a small town and I lived alone which nobody could see what I was eating then and you know I told myself that I was going to get healthy and I was going to lose weight but then Nobody would see if I ate chicken fingers and fries for breakfast every day. Right. You know, so that was in 2018. That was May of 2018. And the end of towards the end of that summer, the highest I saw on the scale at that point was 248.8, which that point eight makes a difference when you are chronically overweight.
0: <laughs> no, I. Get it? I totally, totally do. You were, and you were thinking, you know, for a while, you didn't want to ever go back over two hundred. That probably lasted for just like a hot minute, right? When you were down at one ninety eight, but now you're looking at a different threshold, that two fifty threshold.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was mortified. Mm-hmm. So you know, you go to the internet, and the newest thing I had found at that point was something called diet bet. I'm not sure I've heard anybody talk about diet on here before. But I, I do. I'm premises. familiar
0: with DietBet and remember it from the Facebook days. Because right about then, this mm-hmm. was like 2018 that you were looking and found it. Right around then, I do remember people would be doing diet bet and they were like, I'm just started a new diet bet and I need to lose this much weight by this date. And eventually we we realized to discourage that because that yes. encouraged crash dieting and losing very, very quickly. But tell us about, about diet bet and you.
1: Yeah. So I tried diet bet a few times and basically the premise is you weigh in, you have to lose 4% of your body weight in four weeks and then You get a cut of the the pot if you are successful. And I'll tell you right now, I never got any money back. I never lost that 4%. And granted, I've always been like pretty athletic, pretty muscular. And through this whole time, I was working out, not consistently, but I do have a pretty athletic build and lots of muscle. So losing 4% was was difficult in that four weeks, especially. So I did that a few times. And then I was sick of losing money, so I went to Instagram and I found this very expensive, popular influencer on Instagram who promised basically that you could look like her if you bought her program, and she was oh my gosh, you know, beautiful and toned. And again, I was desperate, so I signed up. And a lot of money later, I got you know a diet plan and a um, an exercise regime from her. And that's where I first saw the word fasting. So at the bottom of the meal plan, it said, attempt to fast, not eat anything between supper and breakfast the next morning. And for some reason, that stuck with me. Thank goodness. (laughs) And so I started doing some some searching just on podcasts because I had started getting into podcasts. And lo and behold, Internet and Fasting Stories came up. I love it. And so that was towards the end of 2018. And then January 2019, I downloaded, I think it was the window app at that time. Yeah. And, and I started.
0: I love that. And that influencer and her diet program, that's just, oh. <laughs> what, what was the diet program? Can you even remember the magic diet program that was going to make you look like her?
1: Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I remember specifically having to eat foods that I hated. And one of them was you had to eat just like boiled lentils with canned pineapple. And that was one of your meals. And it was That's so weird. Awful. I, yeah, <laughs> weird. And that just like sticks out in my mind. Um, And then super intense exercise program. But it was all meant for people who had access to a gym. And in the small town that I lived in, I had a treadmill in my basement and some dumbbells. So definitely not home gym friendly. But again, I was desperate. So I was like, I will do anything and I will try and adapt this and I will eat the lentils and pineapple." but I didn't lose <laughs> any weight.
0: Oh my God, that's hilarious. Because I'm certain whoever that lady was, she probably had great results with her lentils and pineapple. That sounds really gross. And I like lentils and I like pineapple, but I don't know about not together. together. <laughs> no. I could live on lentils, but not with pineapple. But no, it's just so funny. And it, it you know, it speaks to bioindividuality and how there's no one size fits all meal plan that somebody can give you, you know, that's going to like melt the fat off of you. (laughs) Anyhow, so funny. So I'm so glad that you found fasting. Her weird program planted that seed.
1: Yes. And looking back, I am forever grateful that I spent all that money just to find something that was free and (laughs) absolutely changed my life. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. The most expensive things I ever did.
0: Might have worked in the short term, but they never resulted in anything long term. Anything that I paid money for. The only thing that ever worked was fasting and it's free. Yeah,
1: That's uh, one of the best parts, right? Yeah. In our consumer society,
0: though, we do seem to think that the more money we pay for something, the more successful it will probably be.
1: It's the opposite. Yes, absolutely.
0: So when you started, how did you begin?
1: So I started very slow because... I was used to eating all day, every day. I did always drink black coffee. So that wasn't an issue for me. That comes from my parents. They've always drank black coffee. So that was just what I knew was normal in my opinion. So I didn't struggle with that, but I did start out with just like a 12 hour fast. And I do remember not thinking that I would survive the morning of a day shift without eating something. So I would drink metamucil before I went to work, which obviously Did not help anything and that did not last long.
0: That's so, oh my gosh, that's so, it's funny. I don't
1: know. Metamucil? No. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, this will make me feel full and not surprised, but no, it just made things worse. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do that very long and I quickly progressed to a 16.8 and I did a 16.8 probably for a good six months to a year. I was very slow because in my mindset, I had been on this diet, um, an overweight roller coaster for my entire life. And I decided that if this truly worked after listening to, you know, the podcast story, I was going to see if it could fail. I was going to try everything to make it fail. That was my mindset going in. So I was not depriving myself of anything. I did not cut any foods out. I ate all the sugar in my window. I ate everything. So I, I did lose very slowly, but I was still losing even on a 16.8 which absolutely floored me. And eventually I found, you know, 16, I'm really not hungry. So then I'd slowly increase and just kind of moved up from there between, and then, you know, 18 to 20 hours was no problems. So, yeah.
0: I love that. I love that you were like, all right, let's see what this can do. I'm just going to do 16-8. And I totally understand how after literally decades by this point of you worrying about your weight and what you were eating from the early days of sneaking the Walmart diet drugs or pills, right? The the weight loss supplements and the the duct tape days, you were tired of all that. You had tried so hard for so long. You're like, I'm just going to do 16-8. That is all the mental space I want to give it, right?
1: Yeah. And it was freeing at that point. Yeah. Even, I mean, it's come so far even from those days, but it was the freedom that I absolutely loved. And that's what kept me going. So I did also start incorporating fast cardio in the morning. And that was again, mostly for my mental health, but I do believe that made a huge difference. And to this day, I work out in the fasted state every day. So yeah, I think, I think that working
0: out in the fasted state is, um, Like it's for me, I can't imagine doing it any other way. I mean, I don't call myself working out, you know, I'm jumping on the rebound or I'm walking on the, you know, taking a walk or just going about my day, but I feel so much better doing that fasted. Like I have the energy for it and the stamina and the endurance. So what kind of cardio do you like to do?
1: You know, I've become a runner, which I would never think would ever happen. I'm a pretty short distance runner, like, you know my average morning I just do 5k but it's like I look forward to it in the morning which I never thought would happen um I also do some weight training Mm -hmm. a couple days a week but mostly I prefer to go out for a run especially because summer is so short especially here in Saskatchewan so I'm really looking or I've looked forward to the um the running outside this Mm -hmm. summer and it's been so great
0: Oh, I love there's no nothing to trade for being outside that fresh air. And it, so, you're in a rural area, is it
1: mountainy there? No, <laughs> there's no hills, it's very, very flat in Saskatchewan.
0: Where is Saskatchewan? Okay, look, I'm apologizing on behalf of all Americans, we don't
1: know where is Saskatchewan in Canada. Um, do you know where Alberta is? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: All right. Imagine the map of Canada from east to west, middle,
1: east, west. It's middle. So it goes D.C. on the far west and then Alberta. Okay.
0: Okay. That's very, very helpful. So you're in the middle. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it's not mountain
0: either. there. Not at all. No. (laughs) I think if you asked every American to imagine Canada, we just picture like trees and hills. I don't know. But I know it's not like that. So again, I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> but you're in a rural area and it's not mountainy, but it's, you, you go out and it's nice, fresh air.
1: Yes. And you go running on the, the back roads, the gravel roads, where you see the farmers in the fields. And it's just, it's, it sets my day up for success. And I now can't imagine starting my day any other way, which I can't believe I'd ever say that. I was never that person before. So I definitely attribute fasting to that.
0: I love that. You know what? I just had an epiphany. I had a, a Canada epiphany. And I'm thinking of, you know, we think about borders. And and if you think about America, we've got the mountains on the east, the mountains on the west, and the in the middle is where the farmland is. And so I guess just apply that to Canada. So you're up in the farmland area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes
0: Lots sense. Now, you've just helped me understand Canada better. And I will never forget that middle picture. So thank you. <laughs> You welcome. <laughs> so you you like to run and then when when it's too cold to run what will you do?
1: You know, I have my treadmill still. And so I do use my treadmill in the winter. But it's definitely not as enjoyable as being right? outside. But You do what you got to do. That's true.
0: That's true. So you started off you were you were doing 168. You said you lost slowly. What do you mean by that? How slow was slow?
1: Well, um I initially, you know, I don't even know initially now, four and a half years later, I can say that I'm around 80 pounds down, just over 80, okay. uh, depending on the day, of course, with fluctuations. But I downloaded the Renfo scale and bought a Renfo scale. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a, a Bluetooth scale and it's theory, supposed to tell you, you know, your body fat and your BMI and your percent water, etc. cetera. Just because I was such a slow loser and I was getting super discouraged by not seeing a lot of mm-hmm. number changes that I needed to see more. And I really found that that helpful because I would see, oh, you know, my weight hasn't changed, but I've gone down 0.1 of a percent in my body. So yeah. I did find that helpful. I think that's a great strategy. Yeah. I went from a sixteen, probably a tight 16, to I'm sitting between a 6 and an 8 right now. So that's um, fantastic. Quite, I guess you could say like toned, quite muscular and the body recomposition has been absolutely incredible.
0: And you're also tall, you know, you're, you're tall. And so, you know, I I think that you're, you're probably at at an ideal size for your, for your body and your muscular build. Would you say that that's true? Do you feel like you're at an, an ideal body?
1: Yeah, I feel like this is definitely easy to maintain. And, you know, if you go based on the rental data that, you know, is not 100% accurate, but it did put me in the, the body fat percentage of a quote unquote athlete. So my body fat percentage is relatively low. So even when I still get a little bit discouraged by the number on the scale, I have to remind myself that, you know, muscle weighs more than fat and, you know, it's, it's more than just the number.
0: Yes, I I love that you're saying that because it's so, so important. You know, at the weight that you are right now, whatever that is, it could look really, really different if your body composition was different. If you had a good bit less lean muscle and instead you had an equal amount of fat, like let's say you, you lost 20 pounds of muscle and gained 20 pounds of fat, your scale weight would still be the same, but you would be so different. Your body would be so much less lean, but it would still be the same scale number. So with body recomposition and the way that you lost fat, and I bet you, you saw your muscle mass increase over the time,
1: right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Exponentially.
0: And so that body recomposition actually can mask the fat loss. And so people get really, really discouraged because they think that, that nothing's happening. But really, you're losing fat and building muscle. And and your body composition is changing dramatically. That's why it's so important to have other measures. I'm glad that your your scale showed you those changes so you would not be discouraged because if you've got the athletic level of body fat, you don't need to lose any more body fat,
1: right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And that's something I have to still remind myself because again, after how many years of the diet brain and the, you know, according to BMI, I'm still overweight. You have to remind yourself that there's more than just BMI and a number.
0: And, you know, what really struck with me years and years ago is when I read something that shared that Olympic athletes can be considered obese on the BMI scale because they're so lean and muscular, but their, you know, weight is high because of all that lean muscle mass. And so I'm like, wait a minute, if an Olympic athlete who has a very low percent body fat is considered obese on the BMI scale, then that is some flawed information right there
1: yeah wow and honestly like I'm not a huge fan of BMI to begin with but yeah unfortunately that's what a lot of people still use as a measure of health well
0: it's easy it's easy we (laughs) here's what I've realized in health and uh, no offense to anyone in the health world because I know there are a lot of people that are, are looking beyond the easy but in general we tend to go with what's easy. It's really easy to know what your blood sugar's doing. We have devices that'll tell you that instantly. It's hard to find out what your insulin's doing. So we rely on the one that's easy. It's really easy to know what your BMI is. It's harder to look at what your body composition is. So we just go by the one that's easy. So by digging in, you know, it's really easy to see what your raw cholesterol numbers are. It takes more effort to look at your ratios. So exactly. It's time to move beyond that easy number and look deep and see what's really happening.
1: Yes, absolutely. I agree.
0: So when did you decide to make the, the change from being an RN to a nurse practitioner? How did that journey look for you?
1: Yeah. So honestly, when I have, while I've been on this fasting journey, I realized that I wanted to work more in primary care and helping people on a more preventative basis. So I'm actually originally from Alberta but my husband is in Saskatchewan here. And so when I realized that I would end up in small town Saskatchewan, I thought, you know, now's the time that if I want to go back to school, let's do it and and see if I can help people out in real communities. So I went back to school in fall of 2021. I applied and, you know, kind of told myself, I'll well, leave it up to date. If I get in, I get in. If not, it wasn't my speed. And then I got in and I went, oh my God. Okay, now I'm doing this. But I'm so glad that I did. It was incredibly challenging, but I have now come out on the other side, and I just started working as a nurse practitioner in a primary care clinic here in town.
0: Explain the difference for listeners who may not know. I know the difference. You, I'm, I'm sure there's differences I don't know, but tell, tell the audience, what's the difference between a registered nurse or RN and a nurse practitioner? in general, like as far as like how you work with patients and what you can and can't do?
1: Yeah. So um registered nurse, I was a foreign nurse at that time. So bedside nursing. And you know, you're you're taking orders, you're taking care of the patients during the day. Whereas nurse practitioner, especially in my role out in rural Saskatchewan, we work in a clinic. It also has two physicians, but we work very similarly and have a similar role to something like a GP. So we can order tests, we can diagnose, we can refer to specialists, we send in prescriptions, and as an RN, we wouldn't able to do any of that. But we function more of a, of a GP. Yeah,
0: you really, you really, it's like the way a relationship between a doctor patient maybe used to be is more of like the role of nurse practitioner to patient now. Would you say that that's true?
1: Yeah. And then the bringing the nursing values into the primary care role has, I find it super beneficial because we have that, you know, um, the bedside manner, the patient advocacy, preventative therapy, and we do have the benefit of longer appointment times, which I really like because I feel like I can spend more time with my patients just chatting with them and, you know, answering their questions instead of filing people through, like, yeah, it I- happens with with physicians.
0: I think that's great. and The reason I wanted to talk about that a little bit is because a lot of us have access to, with our, our health care, we can see a doctor or we could see a nurse practitioner. And I actually see a nurse practitioner where I go. And I really like seeing the nurse practitioner. I Like you said, I feel like there's more time. We can talk things through. It just feels like a different kind of relationship. So I just wanted to encourage people out there. If you have the chance to go see a nurse practitioner, take it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So you've only been doing it for about six weeks now, and yes, how how are you liking it? Ah, uh, to
1: be honest, I'm very overwhelmed. I bet, um, yeah. I think that, like, I'm I know I'm going to love the role. I'm loving it already. It's just kind of trying to get my feet under me right now. That's a bit challenging. So,
0: yeah, anything new? Because you know you've got different roles and different responsibilities, and probably different, you know hoops to jump through <laughs> compared to yeah, before, right? Yeah. yeah. So are you going to use fasting with patients? Yes. Yeah.
1: Short answer. Yes. A bit of a longer answer. Okay. It's going to take some time to, I think, get myself confident enough and encouraging enough with patients. Um, I actually brought up fasting with a patient yesterday uh, for the first time because I have to kind of pick my patients and and see if they're receptive to it um, before, Mm -hmm. because I have been shut down previously pretty hard. So I think just learning how to approach it with patients is something that I need to work on. But I absolutely think that it will be in my uh, future practice.
0: I I think that probably would be, you're going to learn that. You're going to get that little radar for when the patients are open to it, because you know, are they're, they're really, I think right now, if you if you're diagnosed, like let's say you're type two diabetic or whatever you might be diagnosed with, multiple things, two types of patients, the ones who want to do everything lifestyle related to reverse it, versus the ones who are used to the more traditional route, where all right, what meds am I gonna start taking now? What what's the prescription route gonna be? And so I think you'll have to feel out whether people are interested in the lifestyle changes. Or do they just want the meds and, you know, for the symptoms and. Exactly. Am I on the right track with that, you think?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I do a lot of chronic disease management and it's a bit of an older community. So I do find mm-hmm. that the patient population is a bit more quote unquote traditional and, you know, they want to look for the, the medications. But I'm, my goal is to focus on women's health and I want to use fasting for women's health specifically is is where I'm planning to take my practice so I'm excited to see what the future holds in in that area
0: I love it And of course I think about my dad he's he's in type 2 diabetic has been actually for a long long time and I wasn't interested in the lifestyle part you know I've given him the diabetes code I've given him my books and he's like nope Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm good, and yeah, I think that's the biggest, the biggest challenge of all is letting people know that the root problem came from our lifestyle. When I was 210 pounds, when you were, you know, 248.8 pounds, it was a lifestyle problem, and and we can manage it through
1: lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely, and it's encouraging patients to see it that way. That I think. I will be successful and I'm hoping to be successful, but it's finding how to finding out how to get there with them.
0: Exactly. So what were what are some of the things that, you know, you learned along the way with intermittent fasting and also like and how that, you know, dovetailed in with what you learned as you were going through your training to be a nurse practitioner, like some of the like ways that intermittent fasting is so powerfully healing. Autophagy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Autophagy is incredible. And I try and teach patients about autophagy and the importance of, you know, giving our gut a rest and we see lots of fatty liver disease and, you know, talking to them about the power of fasting in that area, you know, skin tags, things like that, which is hard because a lot of it is anecdotal evidence with, you know, skin tag removal and, you know, your eyes or eyesight will improve. I, to be honest, I haven't done a whole lot of research to give to my patients other than recommending your book and the podcast. But those are kind of the ones that I like to mention just as anecdotal evidence to them.
0: Well, I know you're busy. And so you're probably not like, I just need some books to read. But (laughs) have you read Why We Get Sick, Dr. Benjamin Bickman, yet? No, I haven't. I would look at that one even if all you're doing is like okay. listening to the audiobook of it. I think that's how I started with it listening to the audiobook Why We Get Sick Dr. Benjamin Bickman. It he does a great job. He's he's an expert on insulin resistance and also just insulin in general and having high levels of insulin and how that like I I know a lot of things like so I thought, but I didn't realize how many problems are actually linked to having high insulin levels. Yeah. I think it'll be really eye-opening.
1: No, that's very interesting. I'm going to give it a a try.
0: And it really has helped me realize, you know, we. I've always just thought of, since I read the obesity code and realized how high insulin contributes to fat gain, obviously, and also type 2 diabetes. So I really was pretty much just thinking of it like that. Lower your insulin, you'll lose fat, you will, you know, reduce your chances of being diabetic. But there's so much more to it, like the way it's all interconnected and, you know, like Type 3 diabetes and high levels of insulin, how it affects your brain and, you know, PCOS, high insulin and how it's affecting your, you know, female reproductive organs. So, all right. So I'm giving you homework like you don't have enough to do.
1: (laughs) Sorry. I'm excited for this kind of homework.
0: (laughs) I figured you would be because that'll help you have a different conversation with your patients because, you know, we all know, know we see metabolic problems in the weight that we're carrying around, but it's deeper than just the excess fat. And so when we can shift the conversation to be about, well, let's talk about high levels of insulin, what that's doing and how it's, you know, related to your, your kidney disease or whatever it is that you're, you're going through right now and how will getting your insulin down help and how can we do that? And you might lose some weight, you know, having the weight loss be a secondary because you know as much as I do when you were, you know, over 200 pounds and struggling with your weight. If a doctor or nurse practitioner had said to you, you're going to need to lose some weight. Would that have been helpful? Yeah. no, it's no. like stating the but obvious. It, <laughs> right. If you if you'd have know how to lose weight, you would have lost the weight. So <laughs> That exactly. was like not helpful. But if you say you're going to need to get your insulin down and let me explain why and let me tell you how. And you might lose some weight in the process because now suddenly, if you can just help your patients understand that the fact that they're sick and overweight is not because they're weak and they like to eat too much. It's based on biology and what their body is doing in response to how they were told to eat. That can just, you know, that, that shifts the whole mindset of, okay, you know, now I see why I'm Absolutely. doing this Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at that's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Yes, and yeah. that makes me think of when I was talking to the patient yesterday, it was weight loss was the second reason. Yeah. She has severe inflammation from arthritis, mm-hmm. and that's what she would me. She you know, didn't really want to try any more pain medications, and I was like, hey, Let's talk about fasting. <laughs>
0: I love that. And, then, and I, I
1: really... Go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say she was also asking me about weight loss options. So I said, let's talk about fasting for more than one reason. And she seemed quite excited. I recommended your book. I recommended the podcast. And I'm going to see her again in a month. And I'm so excited to take her where she's at.
0: I love that so much because really... Patients don't need to hear, we, we, we knew we needed to lose weight, they, but they we want to know what, what can we do? How is this all connected? And when people realize it, I think it's like eye-opening. It's like, oh, I can get healthier and I'm going to feel good and I might lose weight and my arthritis pain might be better.
1: Exactly. That's so powerful. powerful.
0: So let's talk about some of your non-scale victories, your personal non-scale victories and health benefits. What have you seen?
1: Yeah. So I wrote quite a few down because there's so many. Awesome. First of all, I had ended up on acid reflux medication back when I was working straight nights because I had really bad reflux. So I no longer am on medications for that. I've been off basically since I started fasting. Like it was quite instant. Yeah, this next one is maybe a little bit nerdy because I work in healthcare, but I was so excited because I can see my collarbones and I can see my knuckles and I can see my veins. And I always used to be so stressed that I would have be a hard IV start if I needed an IV one day because I had so much adipose tissue that I didn't think they'd be able to find a vein. So now I look down and I see my juicy veins and I get so excited,
0: which is a silly- Oh my God, I love that. That is, I have heard a lot of non-scale victories before, but Monica, that's the first time I've heard that one and I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird, but again, working in healthcare, that's what you think about. So yeah. Um that has been a big one for me. Another one, which is more freeing mentally, maybe, than anything, is that I stopped wearing Spanx. I no longer wear Spanks and it is incredibly freeing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I used to be so uncomfortable and, like, preventing having to go to the bathroom until I couldn't hold it anymore, because, God forbid, you have to try and get those spanks back up when you're sweaty and out for dinner. So that has been huge.
0: You know, that is really true. When we moved from Augusta, actually it might have been when we moved from one house to another in Augusta and I was cleaning things out and getting rid of things, I had a drawer full of shapewear and I got rid of all of it and I also got rid of any of the clothes that didn't make me feel great without the shapewear because I realized if this this dress isn't flattering on me, it's the dress not me. I don't need that dress. So I only buy clothes that I can feel comfortable in without shapewear.
1: Yes, me too. And isn't it just the best feeling?
0: <laughs> yes, I will never wear that, any of that again. I will not. I just, you know, no. I, got, I do have my, I, I do like to wear my underwear is like like when I'm wearing a dress, I like the underwear that goes up to your belly button. I guess the granny panties, I don't know, but I Always. do like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me too. Anyway, I do know bit, a little more about me than maybe you needed to know, but <laughs> I have two different kinds of underwear. Yeah. The kind I of wear with dresses, And the kind I wear with, like, you know, jeans and shorts and other things. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not, like, squishing me and it doesn't feel uncomfortable.
1: No. And it's not impossible to pull back up after you've gone out and had, you know, a drink.
0: Oh, and I always found it would roll down. I don't know. Whatever it was. Like, I would be wearing the Spanx and... It would like start rolling down and on your legs, it would always like, you could see it. The Like if you tried to wear it under pants, like sh- Spanx under pants, I always would have a ring like halfway down my thigh where it looked like a weird indentation and it looked funny.
1: Yes. I used to have that too. And why did I think that looks better than just not wearing Spanx is beyond me. <laughs> yeah. Never again. <laughs> no, no. That's been a big one.
0: <laughs> that's huge.
1: Another thing is it's free. And so I've saved money. I've stopped spending ridiculous amounts of money on diet programs that simply didn't work for me. So that has been a huge thing. You know, My grocery bill has gone down and I eat delicious food every single day and I am not deprived at all. I have not cut anything out of my diet. I just enjoy it in a window. I love that. So
0: have your tastes in food changed at all?
1: You know, they have. Which I didn't think they had for the longest time until I went to a, um, a fast food joint. It was probably close to two years ago now. I was like, you know, I haven't had a burger in a long time from a takeout or from a fast food joint. And I took a bite and it was disgusting. Yeah. Like I couldn't even finish it. I was like, oh my God, is it the burger? But realizing now that it was likely just a change in my taste bud. So I do think that there's some changes and things that I never thought I would eat. I've never been a picky eater, but things like the dates. I thought dates were gross. I refused to try them forever. And now I eat dates just about every day. So they're so good. So good. just some peanut butter. Oh, my goodness.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. They're, I mean, it's better than a candy bar and it literally tastes better than yes. a candy bar.
1: It does. Yes. And I have no, I don't want to go eat. A chocolate bar. I mean, I still enjoy chocolate, don't get me wrong, but like I am not attracted to the thought of going and buying a chocolate bar from a gas station and eating it.
0: Oh, definitely. And I, I even have like some really high quality chocolate bars that somebody sent me to try. It's like a really nice brand and it's high quality ingredients. I think it's sweetened with honey it's it's really, really great. I appreciate that they sent them to me, but I like have them sitting. I had to hide them from Chad because Chad likes to eat all the chocolate. He loves chocolate. I was like, I'm going to put them over here in my closet and then I'll just eat a little bit. And like, sometimes I think about it. and I'm like, eh, I should probably just give them to Chad. I just don't eat. I don't want to eat the chocolate. I just, I want to eat the dates. I want to have, <laughs> yeah,
1: yes. it's so funny. It's crazy how, and like, again, coming from a girl who I loved that. And I was, Probably addicted to sugar. I know I was actually, and to just have that freedom of not feeling like I need to eat it all the time is so incredible.
0: That really, really is. I'm also eating these little things called bites that Daily Harvest has. I've gotten into these. They're like in the freezer and they're round. They're like, I don't know, like an a, a inch or so across maybe, but they're the they're so one of them tastes like chocolate chip cookie dough or something, but it's just like one little bite and it's like really high quality ingredients. And I think they're sweetened with dates and things like that. So after dinner, I'll just pull one of those out of the freezer and I just eat it and boom, done.
1: Yeah,
0: I need that little that something sweet, but it so doesn't good. give me the, Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. So good. But I don't need like a big dessert. I do need to have a little something sweet, but it doesn't have, it doesn't, I don't need it to be a lot.
1: Yeah. I feel that.
0: So what does your schedule look like? How do, What's your fasting schedule and your eating window right now?
1: You know, that is, you could say that's maybe one of the struggles I'm dealing with right now, just because, so I was pretty good. I was doing like an 18-6, for quite a while. But then with going back to school and realizing that I prefer to work in the fasted state during the day, I have now tightened up my window quite a bit. So on average, during the week, I'm sitting at like a 22-hour fast and just a two-hour eating window, which, because I'm quite active, is probably not ideal long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, during the weekend, I do try and have a longer window. So I have like a, I do like an routine 6-19-5 on the weekends. But that is something I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with right now, just because I'm trying to figure out that balance, because I typically work until about 5.30, and before I started this role, I liked to have my window closed by six. Yeah. So it, it's it been a bit of a challenge. But again, I'm like six weeks into this role. So I know I'll figure it out. But yeah, right now I'm sitting during the week about to 22 too. That
0: makes sense though. I totally get it. You got to find your new rhythm. Because when I was a teacher... I didn't eat till I came home. Same with you. I, I worked better in the fasted state. It was so much easier to do my job and not have to interrupt to have a snack or have something to eat or have a lunch. And also anything that I was going to take with me wasn't really going to be as satisfying once as what I could have when I got home. So I, I would just fast until I got home from work and then I would open my window. And weekends, I, I did have a slightly longer window. That was the rhythm that I got into. Shorter, Probably shorter Monday through Friday and then saturday and sunday i would be a little more relaxed
1: yeah and so far like i I look forward to the weekend a little bit longer of a a window but i do prefer the daily eating window too i have done Mm -hmm. a few extended fasts but i haven't done an extended fast in probably six months now i mostly do the extended fast for the benefits of autophagy but um, that makes sense I do really love food. So a daily eating window has worked for me now for over four years and I see that continuing on. I've eaten every day since 2016. So
0: (laughs) I like to eat every day too. And, you know, I love alternate daily fasting as an approach for, for people who have, you know, targeted reasons to try it or some people just really love it. They love the routine of it, but it's not required. It's not something everybody has to do. And you know, I know I'm getting increased autophagy compared to someone who's not doing any fasting at all. I'm having increased autophagy every day during my fasting time. And I don't I don't have to do more if I don't want to. Exactly, But it's there if I do. <laughs> so you mentioned that that's what you're struggling with. Is there anything else that you're struggling with other than just figuring out that timing?
1: Um, you know, a little bit of the, the scale. I yeah. should probably just stop weighing because I'm maintaining so effortlessly at this point and I keep telling myself I want to lose another 10 to 15, but I don't think if I was to lose more, I don't think it would be easy to maintain. Whereas right now I can maintain so well. So I am, it's more of a mind game than anything. I get it. Um, I am struggling with that a little bit, but... I also have gotten to the point now where if I weigh, like I'll weigh during the week, but I won't actually look at the the scale because it records all the data on the hat. So I will... Way without looking during the week. And then at the end of the week, I'll look at my apples.
0: That's a great strategy. And Sherry actually shared that same exact strategy recently on the Fast Feast Repeat podcast that we're now doing. And she said that's what she does. She has one of those skills that automatically syncs. So she gets on and she doesn't even look at it. There's one day a week that she looks at it. I think that is a wonderful strategy. So everybody listening, try it. (laughs) If you're somebody that the daily fluctuations mess with your mind, don't even look at them day to day. Because I would that's why I stopped weighing completely. I couldn't stand seeing the daily fluctuations. If it bounced up, I started to panic that I was gaining weight. And you know, I, I haven't gained weight. I'm still wearing the same clothes. They fit me. You know, I know, I know I'm maintaining, but those daily fluctuations got to me. So that is an excellent strategy and I'm glad that you mentioned it.
1: Yeah. And so far since I've switched to doing that, I and am- seeing the results that I'm maintaining or even, you know, losing a little bit more of the, the body fat or gaining a little bit more muscle. And it's just more reassuring than anything. Because I think in the back of my mind, and other people may feel the same way, when you've been overweight your whole life, you still have a little bit of that diet brain where, oh my God, I'm starting to do it's all gonna come back. And so You know, looking at that average and recognizing the daily fluctuations, and you're not going to gain 50 pounds of fat over one weekend if you've had longer windows. you got to look beyond that.
0: Yeah, we actually do not gain or lose fat quickly, and that is so important to know. We do not gain or lose fat quickly. Um, Just today in the community, someone was talking about suddenly she has stopped losing weight and completely stopped. And her weight's actually going up. And so, you know, I ask a few questions, digging in. Well, guess what she just started doing? She just started a workout regimen, a brand new workout regimen. She's doing maybe couch to 5K or something. And, and I'm like, well, what, hmm, did the change in your scale progress happen to coincide with when you started that? And she's like, yes. I'm like, okay, <laughs> problem solved. You know, you're... You know. Yeah a new exercise. And, and it, it's not because, you know, some people might mistakenly say that she's like immediately burnt or you know, built all this muscle. You also don't build muscle that fast, but we have a lot of inflammation that comes along with exercise and it's not like bad. We're so conditioned to think inflammation equals bad, but we actually need to have inflammation, you know, cause it, it, it does an important role. It's chronic excessive inflammation. That's bad. But if you're like working your muscles you're They're going to they're gonna have some inflammation as part of the muscle building process and some water retention. So, all of that adds up to be what you weigh on the scale.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. I'm glad you're, you're focusing on that and you're aware because you really mm-hmm. don't have all, a lot of fat to lose, right?
1: No. And it's coming to terms with that and being okay with the number on the scale because recognizing that, you know, I'm in the best shape I've ever been in in my entire life and I, I feel really good. And you know, my, my confidence, again, from a girl who's had years and years of body image issues and self-esteem issues, I'm the most confident I've ever been. Well, you're gorgeous. I wish everybody could see you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, so, you. you should be so confident moving <laughs> through the world with, with so oh. much confidence. Well, we are oh. almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting, or what do you wish you knew when you first started?
1: Yeah. So, I've heard it before on your podcast, but I really love it. And it's uh you don't have to be perfect, you just have to be consistent. Yeah. Because that has been the mantra that I have lived by for four and a half years now. And the consistency is what, Really makes the difference. And the small everyday change, you know, tweaks are, are what add up to the big successes. So that is something that I wish people knew. And I wish that I knew when I started out. I mean, I know it now, but I wish I knew that this was going to be the answer and that, you know, all of the years of the struggle are worth it, I guess, because this is going to be what absolutely changes your life. That's so, so true.
0: I'm glad that you said that. Everybody listening, you have found it. This is the answer. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you won't have to do some tweaking along the way. You know, the, the book I is called Fast, Feast, Repeat. They're all important. The fast is important. So many amazing things happen during the fast. The feast is also important. You can... You can eat so much in your feast that you do not lose any weight, but that still doesn't negate that good things are happening during the fast. So you can also tweak your feast if you need to. And the repeat is also super important. There's that consistency. They're all valuable. The fast doesn't do everything. The fast doesn't do it all. The feast doesn't do it all. (laughs) You need all three components. (laughs) Yeah, you do. You do. And, you know, nobody ever wants to, you know, when when you start, you're like, well, I'm going to do this because I certainly don't want to change what I'm eating. But then you get down the road of it for a while and you realize, huh, I don't want that fast food burger. That wasn't
1: good. Exactly. Yes. And I wish everybody, or I want to shout it from the rooftop, that you have to clean fast. Oh, yeah. Because fasting clean is what makes the difference because I have, you know, influenced a few people in my life to start fasting, but they're the ones that you know, put clean in the coffee and drink Diet Coke all day, and you're like, ooh, this is why yeah. you're not having the results that you were hoping for. So I went, yeah, you yeah. yeah, we got to spread that
0: word. If we can just get everybody to understand that fasting clean is where it's at, you know. I find that it helps to 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 use what people know about like fasted blood work or going to have a fasted procedure. Just say you know, if you were not allowed to have that before you had fasted blood work or fasting procedure, you know, like surgery, then you probably shouldn't have it <laughs> as a part of any fast exactly. that helps a lot. Well, Monica, it has been so great to talk to you today and why we get sick, Dr. Benjamin Bickman, and I can't wait to hear how you are. going to be able to use that with your patients
1: stay in touch with me okay i sure will thank you so much for everything jen i am so grateful for you and i can't wait to keep learning do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell email
0: me at jen at intermittent fasting com, and i'll add you to the lineup that's g-i-n at intermittent fasting com. the world wants to hear your story intermittent fasting stories is edited mixed and mastered by resonate recordings to learn more visit them at resonaterecordings.com or email them at hello at resonate recordings.com intermittent fasting stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast
1: you listen to smartless smartless is the podcast that i host with my friends who are more like brothers the super talented and funny will arnett and sean hayes is jj why are you
0: why are you whispering
1: well there's there's a
0: at the gym or you're in the car. Just listen yeah. to the
1: podcast. Sean, tell them where they can find it.
0: Follow SmartList on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to SmartList
1: ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Bye. Bye. Bye.